So we continue on in our series on War Room. Who's seen the movie? Some of us. Who thought the movie was just kind of, eh, whatever? Ah, caught some of you. Saw an early hand. Who really sees the impact of the movie? Who's felt the impact so far in life? Alright, cool. We're going to continue on. If you were here last week, Pastor Gail talked on lukewarmness. He talked on hot and cold. And... I don't know what word you took away from that. For me, the word intentional, intentionality. If we talk about the image of water, and it's really easy when we're talking about lukewarmness to talk about water. When we talk about the image of water, hot water can be really therapeutic. When you sit in a hot tub, it can be soothing on muscles and joints. Put it in our drink, our tea. Ooh, soothing, right? Cold water in the, in the converse can be really refreshing. It can uh, quench thirst. If we hop into cold water that's too cold, it can be awakening. Lukewarm water is neither of those things. It's neither therapeutic. It's neither refreshing. It's wet. I'll give it that. It's wet. That's about it. The Word says it's better to be cold than to be lukewarm. It's better to be hot than to be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, the Word says that God will spit you out of His mouth. And that sounds kind of heavy. It sounds kind of daunting. And the reality of it is some of us are lukewarm in our faith. Maybe we were first saved and we were on fire and we believed that miracles happened miracles were real and we felt that life change we felt that shift and we were excited and then the reality of it is that we changed but the world didn't we got cynical we got a little reality check we lost track of our Daily practices of prayer and being in the Word. We lost track of our attendance, church, life group meetings. We weren't intentional. Well, here's the good news is I believe that God is a God of second chances. And that we can still choose intentionality. We can still choose to be intentional and to go from Maybe we don't know God at all. Maybe we don't know Christ at all. And first of all, let's go from cold to hot. Maybe we know God or feel like we knew Him once. Maybe we need to move from lukewarm to hot. Baby steps. Baby steps. I think we need to celebrate the small journey. The small. We believe here at Element Church we're all in progress. We're all in process. And I think we need to celebrate those steps towards hot. Even understanding that sometimes we go from lukewarm to cold or we go to hot. So, keep on keeping on and understand that that's, there's, there's good news in that, that message of lukewarmness and, and that is one of the themes from the movie War Room. The theme I want to talk on today is accountability, which again can be heavy. It can be a heavy topic. If you don't have real accountability in your life, you can say, whoa, whoa. It's not for me. 
I don't want to be vulnerable. I've been hurt before. I've had people, I've had people that have um, kind of bumped up against me and not really what I'm looking for. I want to go back. I want to go back to a word that we use today, and that, that word is influencers. And what it means today isn't what it used to mean. What it means today, when you hear influencers today, it means a lot of things like. How many Twitter followers you have? How important you are in social media? How many people will like your stuff on social media or they'll retweet one of your tweets or they'll write an article or a blog and all of a sudden they've got millions of followers? When we talk about influencers today, we talk about that. And let me just say this. If you're a teacher, you're an influencer. If you're a coach... You're an influencer. If you're a parent, you're an influencer. If you're a child, we all are. You're a potential influencer. If you're a friend, you're an influencer. If you're an enemy, you're also an influencer. Let me make this statement and, and, and stick with me here on this statement. The influence of one person can change the world. The influence of one person can change the world. Now, we can go to places like Gettysburg and see the monument with this tall stature of Abraham Lincoln and say, okay, I see what you mean there. We can go to Washington, D.C. or Mount Rushmore or other places that have monuments to great men. We can get that. But I want to talk about it more as it relates to you and me. I want to talk about the influence of one person can change our world. And I, I want to talk about it in this in, in these terms. I want to talk about it in terms of your spiritual lineage. Who had influence on you? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, who had influence on you to lead you to the decision to accept Christ's salvation? That's first generation. Who had influence on that person that influenced you? Who had influence on that person that influenced the person that influenced you? I'm a what-if guy. And on one side of my family, I'm a third-generation Christ follower. Three generations. So, if I go back three generations, my concern is, who influenced my grandfather, that influenced my mother, influenced me. And if that person chose not to influence my grandfather, where would I be today? I guarantee I wouldn't be here. I guarantee I wouldn't be here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this talk backwards. Um, who's in a study group right now studying um, the teachings for the war room. Anybody in the study group? Okay. Alright. So, we're, we're passing out study guides for the study groups and when you speak, you always save the hook for the end. I'm going to give it to you up front. I'll give it to you up front because I want you to wrestle with it through the whole talk. I want you to think about them through the whole talk. I want them to kind of be in front of your mind and rest on your heart through the whole talk. And I'm going to give you 
some questions to consider. And the first one is this. What if the bonuses we get in life are people? What if the bonuses we get in life are people? You got a bonus? Cool. What are you going to spend it on? I don't know yet. Maybe a toy. Something. What if the bonuses we get in life are people? What if we have relationships that are brought to us to, to magnify our life, to be seasoning to our life, to bring joy to our life, to bring fulfillment to our life, to bring meaning to our life. And those are really the bonuses of life. I hope you all know that the important things of life aren't things you can buy, right? So if we think about people as the bonuses of life, how would life look? Would you have a different perspective on life? Second, what if you realize that your work doesn't define you? Now, work is a good thing. The Bible says, oh, the Bible says toil for six days and rest on the seventh. But at some level, let me say it this way, and I'm not being sexist, hear me on this. Men, we're so simple that when we talk in public and when we talk in our circles, it's really easy to use our vocation as our social identifier. What do you do? I'm a physicist. What do you do? I'm a waste collection professional. You mean you're a garbage man? You say it how you want to say it, I'll say it how I want to say it, right? We spin on it because it, we, it needs to sound different. It needs to sound better than maybe what it is. In reality, it doesn't matter. CEO, garbage man, salesperson, teacher, teacher, doesn't matter. Character has to mean more than the bottom line. Has to. If not, I'm not sure where meaning of life is at. I'm not sure where the meaning of life is at. So, there was also a time when our name defined us. Back in the day, if you introduced yourself to someone and you said, well, I'm Jeff Van Buren, and they said, I knew some Van Burens. Now, if your last name is Van Buren, you go... Do they know the good ones or the bad ones? Which one is it? And at some level, you buffer that, right? You, well, I think that uncle was adopted. And I'm not sure. Yeah, you know what? I was adopted. I don't even know the rest of the family. i got to be honest. So, But there was a time, there was a time when your name defined you. What we do does not define who we are. What we do does not define who we are. Next, what if you knew that life is first about who you are? It kind of goes hand in hand with that. Who Christ is in you matters. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what the enemy tells you. Who Christ in you matters. Who you are in Christ matters more. And the world will tell you it doesn't matter at all. But I think it's really important that we understand that the world will try and define us otherwise, right? And it's really important to understand that heaven views us as an heir. And to rightfully claim that requires us not to buy into what the world wants from us or how the world wants to define us. 
What about this? What if you had friends who could speak openly to your soul? What if you had friends who could speak openly to your soul? Anybody have a friend like this? They're a blessing. They're a blessing. When they, they know you so well that when you need encouragement, they provide encouragement. They know you so well that when you need correction, they provide correction. They know you so well that when you celebrate, they celebrate with you. When you mourn, they mourn with you. But I'll tell you what, to have someone that can speak openly to your soul is a true blessing. What if you needed CPR on your personal life? CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Anybody certified in CPR out there? If I go down, I need to know who you are. Okay, a couple of you. Okay, I used to be certified in CPR. So by definition, CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, is a life-saving process for emergencies. It's a life-saving process for emergencies. I won't bore you with the details, but when you go into cardiac arrest or you go into pulmonary arrest, things happen in the body and bad gases stay in the body and good gases can't get into the body and we use CPR to change that, right? Now, the best thing is to be certified and be prepared. So if I do go down, you know what you're doing, right? That's the best thing. Now, Mayo Clinic will tell you this. If you do a little deep dig, Mayo Clinic will tell you this. It's better to do something than nothing. If I'm passed out here on the stage, do something. I mean, call 911, let's start there. But even if you're not sure what to do, doing something is better than doing nothing. Doesn't that sound a little bit accountability? If I find you in an emergency, if I find you in a life or death situation in your personal life, and I feel prodded to do something, don't you want me to be obedient to that? Wouldn't you want me to be obedient to that? I'd want you to be obedient to that for me. CPR. What if we need it on our personal life? Next. What if faith is the beginning of the greatest accountability? What if faith is the beginning of the greatest accountability? And, and so here at Element Church, <clears throat> we look at the cross, and we talk about the vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. We talk about how important it is, it's paramount, to have that vertical relationship with God. The horizontal relationship is us together. Us is the body of Christ doing life together. That's the horizontal. Both important. I would say the one that's probably more important, kind of 1A and 1B, is going to be the vertical. If you don't know God, the horizontal is probably not going to do you much good. I want to read you this statement. I want to read you this statement. I read it last night. I didn't know where to put it. It spoke to me, and I want to put it in this talk. So let me read you the statement and just lean into this. The root mark of a believer in Jesus Christ is freedom. The root mark of a believer in Jesus Christ is freedom. The greatest joy of any church, the collective body of Christ, should be the freedom that we have from the consequences of sin. Walking in freedom from sin doesn't indicate freedom from responsibility. In fact, our freedom in Christ creates responsibility for our actions. Fortunately for us, 
We have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, transforming us into living, breathing images of Jesus. That's true if you've accepted that free gift of grace. If you have that vertical relationship with God, that's true. If it's not true, if you don't have that, it's not true, and we can change that today. We can talk about that. I'd love to talk and pray with you afterwards if you haven't made that decision. But I'm saying that there's freedom, but that freedom doesn't alleviate our responsibility. I want to talk, start talking about real accountability. Proverbs 27.6 says this, The wounds of a friend are trustworthy. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy. There's an assumption being made in Proverbs 27.6 and that, that we know this person some level intimately. We call them friend. And because we know them, because we call them friend, we know that they have wounds and that those wounds are trustworthy. So let's talk about real accountability. Real accountability recognizes that we are all first accountable to God. Real accountability recognizes that we are all first accountable to God. Let me say this. No one loves you more. No one has a better plan for your life than God does. No one's paid a greater price for you than God has. No one else is offering you saving grace than God. I'm back to that vertical thing. I think it's paramount that we understand that we are first and foremost accountable to God. Romans 14.12 tells us, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We're talking about Judgment Day. And we're going to have to give an account of ourselves to God. And I'm pretty sure we can't yada, yada, yada our way through that account. I just want a little insight, just a little something. I'm not sure we can yada, yada our way through that. So just keep that in mind. Second thought, real accountability recognizes the value of a trusted friend. Real accountability recognizes the value of a trusted friend. Now let me say this. I think it's important to have trusted friends that can speak into your life, but that in no way gives you license to meddle. That in no way gives you license to play God. Right? We have to have a relationship that's based on trust. You're a trusted friend. It's based on trust before you have the right to... Share real accountability. Proverbs 17, 17 says it this way. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, even when we're not getting along, and a brother is born for adversity. In the biker community, and you guys, some of you know that Pastor Gail and I are part of a motorcycle ministry. In the biker community, the bikers describe this verse this way. If you don't know me, don't bro me. Don't call me a brother if you don't know me. I get it. The word brother in the biker community is an intimate thing. We're family. So if you are calling me brother, you're assuming we have some level of intimacy. You know me, I know you. If we don't have that relationship, I'm not your brother, and you can't call me that. They're describing Proverbs 17, 17 in that philosophy. I agree with it. As we look at our family of faith, we talk about brothers and sisters. The Word talks about our spiritual family being more important than our biological family. Do we know each other at that level, at that intimate level? Do you know my hurts, hang-ups, and habits? 
Do I know yours? Are you okay with that? Am I okay with that? Next thought. Real accountability is soaked in both truth and love. Real accountability is soaked in both truth and love. It is really hard to have one without the other. Anybody got a friend that's too honest all the time? Doesn't believe that grace is actually a word? I had a wise man once tell me, nobody likes anybody who's right too early or too often. Those are tough friends to have. Right? Those are tough friends to have. The Word says that Christ was the model of grace and truth in that order. In, he, was, he was filled with grace and truth. Truth and love. Don't be honest with me if you're not going to love me. If you love me so much, I need you to be honest with me. If you're lying to me, I'm not sure you love me. I don't think you care enough. I think real accountability is a perfect model of love without legal obligation. We're married, i got to love you. says so on the license, I think. I think the vow said so. But real accountability is, to me, is the model of love without any legal obligation. So, truth and love go hand in hand there. Next idea. Real accountability understands the impact of our speech. Words matter. Words matter. We say they matter. And then we get in the car and we act like they don't matter. If you ride with me, sometimes you'll hear me slip. And it makes, makes for fun in the car. My daughter's laughing. So, um, Psalm 141 says this. Psalm 141.3 says this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. This is David writing to God. David whose heart was after God's. If you look at Psalm 141, and in your study groups, you may want to look at Psalm 141 as a prayer of accountability, particularly verses 1-5. through Read that. It is truly a prayer of accountability that David is written to God. In Matthew 12, Christ says it this way, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. I think we need to be cautious about being overly critical of each other. I think we need to be cautious about being discouraging to each other. I think we need to be cautious about being condescending to each other. I think we need to be cautious about being cynical to each other. I think that makes us careless, and I think that's going to count. We're here doing this thing together called life, and we're all made in God's image. It says we're all heirs. Those of us that believe in the salvation of Jesus Christ, we're all heirs to heaven, and yet we don't treat each other well sometimes. We don't speak health into each other's lives. We choose to be cynical. We choose to dwell on differences. We choose to dwell on you sin differently than I sin, 
So my sin's better than your sin? That's, that's, that's bad theology. That's really bad theology, right? That's really bad theology. So this scares me a little bit. I know I've spoken careless words. This scares me. I do know that I, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in grace. I believe in mercy. Um, but it keeps me, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of that for sure. All right, next. Uh, real accountability guards hearts from wickedness. Real accountability guards hearts from wickedness. Again, Psalm 141.4, where I talk about David writing this prayer of accountability, he, he writes this, Do not let my heart turn to any evil thing or perform wicked acts with men who commit sin. Do not let my heart turn to any evil thing or perform wicked acts with men who commit sin. I like how the message puts this. The message puts it this way. Don't let me so much as dream of evil or thoughtlessly fall into bad company. And then he, David goes on in verse 6 in the message and says, May the just one set me straight. May the kind one correct me. The just one and the kind one, that's God. May the just one set me straight. May the kind one correct me. Do we start to see where if we choose to be an influencer, if we choose to have influence, it can change the, it can change the world for someone. It should change the world for someone. But accountability to me equals responsibility. Accountability to me equals responsibility. Last thought here. Real accountability loves and lasts. Real accountability loves and lasts. I have friends, some of my oldest friends, seems somewhat seasonal at times. They uh, they don't necessarily live local. And so we connect. Then they, they, they get into their life and I get into my life. And six months later we reconnect. And then they get into their life and I get into my life. And ten months we reconnect and then we share Christmas cards and their kids grow up and my kids grow up. And But the cool thing is this. I know they love me. I know they care about me. I know they want the best for me. And they know that same thing is true of me. That I want the best for them. I love them. And we can pick up where we left off and we can actually have a conversation and it can start with that celebratory thing of, you know, daughter graduated moving on to college, um, new job, whatever. We can also talk about hurts. We can also talk about stuff that that uh, is bad stuff, health issues, parent, parenting issues, issues with our parents, those types of things. And again, true, real accountability loves and lasts. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should should restore him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Not throwing stones, not hitting with a hammer, not pounding on him. Spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Wow. If we did this, the church would look different. Our communities would look different. The world would look different. If we treated those who've committed any transgression, any wrongdoing, any sin with a spirit of gentleness, I think it'd be a little bit easier to confess our sin. I think it'd be a little bit easier to be open 
and be honest about what we struggle with. Bearing each other's burdens? There's a novel concept. We're told to, but yet, let's be a little bit honest. You walk around church, you ask people how they're doing, you silently hope they say fine, right? Fine, good, good, good. Because then sometimes you ask somebody and you say, well, you're like, I got some place I got to be. Go ahead, tell me. And then we all respond with the same thing. I'll pray for you. Now, we're in church, so hopefully you're honest about that and you're actually praying for them. But that's the part where we want to make sure that we're engaged. We want to make sure that we're present. We want to make sure that we're loving and that we're lasting in that, right? So, all right. A couple statements I want to make in conclusion. And a couple of these are going to seem like duh statements, but bear with me here. Um, Bear with me. The first one is this. We need people to help keep us accountable. Duh. And we talked about the vertical. We talked about our relationship with God. We are first and foremost accountable to God. But God's also the one that crafted the verse that said two are better than one. We're not made to do life alone. The enemy would tell you otherwise. The enemy would tell you otherwise. The enemy would tell you that that dirty little secret will keep people from liking you. That you won't be worthy. That you're not worthy. That if people really knew the real you, they wouldn't like you. If people knew my background, ah, they wouldn't like me. So I just, I'm going to bury that. I'm going to bury that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to communicate that. I'm not going to be vulnerable. Before I shared some stuff in the past in life group and they got gossiped about and I was made a fool of and I'm not going to do that again. That's what the enemy would you believe. That's a lie. Don't buy into that. Don't make agreements with that. We are made to do life together. We are made to do life together um, we believe that spiritual growth happens here at Element Church. In the best location is in life groups, in a small group where people truly can minister to your needs, where they get to know you on a deeper level, and you can truly do life together. We truly believe that here. The second thought is don't miss the obvious people God has placed in your life. If you're a coach, you've got students and athletes. If you're a teacher, you've got students. If you're a CEO, you've got employees, and I understand there's limits to that. But I would say you don't have to speak as much as you have to show. Live the model that Christ has put before you. Show that you're different. If you have the opportunity to speak life into someone's life, do that. Be open to that opportunity. Don't Be in the world but not of the world. Have we heard that before? I think so. I think so. But that's where you really want to to don't miss the obvious people God has placed in your life for accountability. Let me say this, and don't doze off on this one. I believe that there is accountability in marriage. Period. I believe that. I believe there should be. I also believe 
that sometimes our spouses aren't our best accountability partners as it relates to all of our spiritual matters. If you don't agree with that, my name is Gail Rubel, and you can send me an email, okay? <laughs> Hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. If your spouse is your accountability partner, may God continue to bless that. I love Beth, but I think our objectivity is lost in our relationship sometimes when we talk about spiritual matters. And we're different. Gender is different. If you want to understand the difference between the male spirit and the female spirit, uh, John Eldridge wrote Wild at Heart about the, the spirit of man. Great book. I recommend you read it. Women, good book for you to read too. and You understand how simple we actually are. Pretty simple things. His wife Stacy wrote a book called and it talks about the spirit of the female, or it talks about, uh, yeah, the spirit of, of woman. And you see these differences. And again, I believe in accountability in marriage. I do. I'm saying there's nothing greater than brothers surrounding brothers and sisters surrounding sisters. When you look at things like, you know, the young moms group where you've got mentor and apprentice and encouragers, Men would screw that up. I'm telling you, men would screw that up. Okay? So, just hear my heart on that, okay? I'm just saying that there's there, there's a time and a place and you may want to consider accountability partners outside of your marriage. My two cents. And again, I'm Gail Rubel. Okay? If you're going to send a message, send it to Gail. Here's a question to consider. Are you willing to move from surface to serious conversations? Are you willing to move from surface to serious conversations? I alluded to that. It's one of the things we really struggle with as a church. We're on the go. Everything's important. We want to, I got to be somewhere. I got to do something. I'm serving. Hey, I, I love to talk to you, but I'm serving. And we don't get past how's the weather. We never get past how's the weather. And we never take that deeper dive. And I think that's why life group, excuse me, is so important. It gives you the opportunity to catch up on a level that you can't catch up within an hour on Sunday morning. There's too many of us. Maybe our circle is too big. And so we have to bring that down, make that more microscopic where we can be more deeply invested in each other's lives. Okay? So who can do CPR on your personal life? Who around you can do CPR? Who would you let? If you're in a life or death situation, I bet that list got bigger. If you're in a spiritual crisis... I bet you've got a list. Pastor Gale's alluded to the fact he's got four or five prayer warriors he'll reach out to because he knows. If I ask you to pray and I need prayer, I know these people will pray. I don't need a lot of woulda, shoulda, coulda's gonna. I'm gonna pray for you someday. When I need it, I need it. I have that. What do you have? Who, who can do CPR in your personal life? And if you don't know who that is, ask God to put, place them in your life. If you don't know who that is, ask God to place those people in your life. Really important list to have. If I'm in a lifeboat with no oars, who's going to throw me an oar? Really important to know. Ask God to use you to help others in the same way. Ask God to use you to help others in the same way. You got being a blessing to you, you need a blessing to others. We've, I, I know I've personally preached, I know 
Pat has also taught on spiritual relationships. Every one of us needs a Paul in our life. That influencer that we can sit at the feet of and glean from and understand more and more deeply go in our relationship with God. Each of us needs a Timothy. Each of us needs a Timothy. Somebody that we can influence in a positive way and can bring along. And every one of us Barnabas. I need a couple of them. Encouragers. Those people that come along with us, keep egging us on and prodding us on, keep showing us encouragement, keep letting us know we're loved and that we're worthy. Who is that? Who is that for you? And where can you invest? Where can you invest? Here's a big one, and it's kind of a dull one, but I think we really need to talk about it, and I think we need to acknowledge it. Only the Holy Spirit can change lives. Only the Holy Spirit can change lives. We have a role to play, and our role is not God's. If I was going to get an amen, that's where I'd get it, but that's okay. Don't worry about that. Um, only the Holy Spirit can change lives. You can be invested. You can be fully invested. You can be sold out in a relationship. And if they choose to not hear the truth and love that you're sharing, that's not on you. Choose to quench the Holy Spirit, that's not on you. You can bring it up. You can discuss it. You should. You need to doggedly pursue, but understand that without the Holy Spirit, it's just like with salvation. We can be open to opportunities. We can be open to prodding people on and and leading people to know Christ and to understand that free gift of salvation He offers. But that's honest. We don't need to own that. So only the Holy Spirit can change lives. I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come back up. And I just want to finish with a couple more thoughts here. The highway, Proverbs 16, 17 says this, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Accountability equals responsibility. I'm going to leave you with this thought here. Being accountable to God because of the great gift of freedom He has afforded us in Christ prompts us towards obedience. It should. Our accountability to one another is a reflection of that freedom lived responsibly. Being accountable to God because of the great gift of freedom He has afforded us in Christ prompts us towards obedience. Our accountability to one another is a reflection of that freedom lived responsibly. Again, I said two is better than one. I believe in multiples. Somebody said, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It may take a village to hold me accountable. I have a whole huddle of people around me that I turn to at a time, and they all have different talents and abilities. But if two are good, then four must be better. And eight must be better yet. And ten, hundred, whole church. Imagine a whole church of accountability partners where we have accountability, where we understood each other so intimately that we could speak truth and love in an honest way. I believe in the multiplication. 
that God has laid out for us as His body in Christ. So, consider that. Consider that. Dwell on that. Um, as you go to your study groups, consider those questions. Um, there will be a study guide that will come out. Let's go ahead and close out this time with prayer. Let's go ahead. Will you stand with me and let's go ahead and pray real quick. Father God, we just, uh, again, Lord, we just come to you as children. Lord, we just, uh, we understand that you ultimately and truly hold us accountable. But Lord, we, uh, we know that we're not made to live life alone. That to richly and fully be those people that you've called us to be, we need, we need to intentionally engage with each other in real and true accountability, Lord. And that that's based in love and that's based in responsibility to each other and to you. Lord, if we don't know you, just press on our hearts today and let us understand that first and foremost, we need to know you. If we're, we find ourselves lukewarm, Lord, just, uh, help us. Help us out of the rut of life that we could better move towards being hot again for you. Lord, be with us as we leave this place. Just, Lord, just, uh, press on our hearts. Those that you would uh, put in our lives that could do CPR in our personal life, Lord, that we could share trust and love with and that we could uh, speak into and they could speak into us and that we could truly do life together with, Lord. Just uh, keep us open to the opportunities to present themselves. Keep us open to the opportunities to be your hands and feet and your salt and light and to live the life you are asking us to live, Lord, and be the people you're calling us to be. We pray all this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.